Welcome to the Christian Car Guy radio show, the talk show dedicated to helping Christians buy and sell cars by the book, not the blue book, not the orange book, but by God's book, the Bible. Call the Christian Car Guy with your questions, 1-866-34-TRUTH. That's 1-866-348-7884. What does being a Christian have to do with buying a car? You're about to find out. Here's your host, Robbie Dillmore. Well... Apparently, our computer decided to play my original intro. <laughs> so, doesn't matter how much work you put into the intro for today, which we will get to as my producer is hard at work to find that file so he can play it, because I really want you to hear it, because it's got so much to do with today's show. If you don't hear the intro, you won't get what it is where I'm going. So, we're going to get that intro pulled up, and he's going to get it so he can play it. And he'll let me know when that happens. But in the meantime, the show today is called Making It Work. The last will be first. So when you look at your work, do you look at it like many songs that you would have heard in my intro? One of which is, I'm taking what I'm given because I'm working for a living. Or (laughs) when you look at work, do you think about that? I'm taking what I'm given because I'm working for a living, or as Carly Simon will sing in the intro when we finally get it, is, and she, by the way, she won an Emmy and a Grammy and a Golden Globe with these lyrics. We, the great and small, stand on a star and blaze a trail of desire through the darkening dawn. So making it work, the last will be first. When you think about work, can you recall in your own life, the hardest day work, hardest day's work you've ever had. And of course, I realize work can come in a lot of different forms, whatever. So as I was processing that in my own mind, I was thinking about the hardest physical day's work I ever had in my life. (laughs) And so I have to tell this story. It's really pretty funny when I think back on it, but it wasn't funny at all at the time. It was 1973. I was 18 years old. I worked for Gallus Oldsmobile Cadillac in Albuquerque, New Mexico on Central Avenue. And I was the shipping and receiving clerk in the parks department. It was a fairly large dealership, and so we had a lot of employees. My had a specific role was to unload all the trucks with the parts that came in every single day. And this particular day, uh, we got a load of antifreeze. The reason we did in 1973, the gas crisis was pr- fixing to happen, and our parts manager, his name was Jack Straley, I remember all too well, had seen that, oh my goodness, the price of antifreeze was going to skyrocket. So he bought an entire piggyback truck, a Santa Fe truckload of it. But he didn't, he didn't happen to tell his shipping receiving clerk, nor did he tell me it was coming, nor did he tell me that it would have to go up two steps, two (laughs) flights of stairs up to this old warehouse that was across from the parts department. And so you can imagine this young 18-year-old's face when this man pulls up with this big, huge Santa Fe, you know, semi-truck and disconnects the trailer and just sets it there. And he goes, I'll be back tomorrow to pick up my empty trailer. And when I look inside, (laughs) it is stacked full. I'm talking about an entire semi-truck, absolutely full with boxes of antifreeze. Now, if for me, I understand all too well what a box of antifreeze is. It is six gallons, which at seven pounds a gallon is about 42 pounds a box. And each box had to be carried upstairs to that warehouse individually. So <laughs> I had a key to the parts department 
And as soon as I saw what had taken place, it was about lunchtime and I had the key in my hand. I was going to go give it to my boss and say, good luck with this. <laughs> it was just a phenomenal amount of work, but <clears throat> either he timed it or God timed it. I don't know what really happened, but what I know is when I arrived at his office with my key in my hand, ready to resign, <clears throat> he had, um, apparently left for lunch and there was no one there. So I went back to my department. I sat there and I looked at the truck full of antifreeze and I just began to think, what am I going to do? <clears throat> and I thought, well, until he gets back, I'll start unloading this thing. Well, I don't know how many cases of antifreeze it was. I don't know how many stairs I climbed that day. I don't know what else happened. <laughs> what I know is by, by the end of the day, I put in the hardest day work I've ever, and by the way, nobody jumped in and helped me and said, oh, Robbie, I see you got a whole, you know, truckload of antifreeze to, to unload and take up these stairs. Fortunately, I was 18 and it didn't give me a heart attack, but I did get it done. And you know what? I didn't get paid a penny extra for all that work that day. And you may not think that's fair, but when I look back on it, I got so much more that day than I probably got out of many other days where probably the most I ever got out of a day's work at Gallus Osmobile was I got an understanding of how hard I could work and how much I have what it takes. So when Jesus tells that parable, right, where he says the last shall be first, all week God has had me on this lesson plan, the parable of the day laborers or some say the workers in the vineyard. It's just not fair. It's just not fair, is it? So Here's the parable. I'm going to read it. So if you hadn't heard it in a while, you can kind of process it and see where that's coming from. How are we coming, Keith? Are you finding my intro? You got it? Are you ready to play it? Not yet. We'll play it in the break. Okay. So here's the parable from Matthew 21 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the workers, to pay them a denarius per day, he sent them into his vineyard. So those are the guys that went out first thing in the morning. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing in the marketplace idle. And he said to them, hey, you two go into my vineyard and I'll give you whatever is right. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same. And about the eleventh hour, <laughs> so you know, this is about four in the afternoon, he went out again and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle the whole day? Because no one tired us, they said. He said to them, you go into my vineyard too. <clears throat> now, when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, in case you hadn't noticed this before, I think he purposely provoked them. And so I think Jesus is purposely provoking us. And he called the workers to pay them their wages, beginning with the first, excuse me, beginning with the last, the guys that showed up last, and then to the first. And those who had come about the 11th hour each received a denarius. And when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, yet <laughs> they too received a denarius. But when they received it, they began to grumble against the master of the house, saying, these guys did one hour, and you've made them equal to us, who bore the burden of the scorch of the day. But answering, he said to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you agree with me on a denarius? Take what's yours and go. But I want to give this last, excuse me, <laughs> and go. But if I want to give the last guy the same as you, am I not permitted to do what I want with what belongs to me? 
Or is your eye evil because I'm good? So the last will be first and the first will be last, right? Provoking, isn't it? It's really worth meditation because by all means, so much of our lives are devoted to our work. So here's the way many look at work in our our culture, right? It's that point of view. I'm taking what they're given because I'm working for a living. Everybody's working for the weekend. I can remember my original parks manager, even before I worked at Gallus, once told me, you know, I work all year long so I can take a vacation. I'm like, man, (laughs) that just doesn't seem like the life I want to lead. So when you read that parable with that point of view, right, it brings anger and disbelief, really, that Jesus, God, will say such a thing. And then to finish with that, the first will be last and the last will be first. You'll be going, what you talking about, Willis? (laughs) I started to think. I really did. I started to think, how bad does it feel to be unemployed versus how good does it feel to do a job well? And I find myself achieving or doing more than I could, right? So like in the case of the antifreeze, I achieved way more than I thought I could, and I did way more. And and the difference of what that felt like versus sitting there unemployed, So finding out that I can really do things, that I'm not lazy or ineffective, especially when I'm doing work with my own hands, it actually answers a couple of core questions, especially for men. According to John Eldridge's Wild at Heart book, it said, you know, one of the core questions a man asks all the time is, do I have what it takes? And think about how that answers that question when you work that hard and those guys who worked all day long. And so I'd also add that the workers who came in early the morning they had the joy of working with a good boss, right? Because he said he was good. And he, those other guys that were probably came early in the morning, they were diligent workers too, or they wouldn't have got there early. And they weren't sitting around wondering all day if they were going to get any work. So those who came later and had work, in my idea, they would have had a much worse day because, right, they're sitting there wondering if I'm going to get any money today, if I'm going to be able to feed my family. I mean, they're stressing, wondering. They're sitting there idle. You know how hard it is to sit there and do nothing all day? When those who got to work the first thing, they got to go on this adventure like Carly Simon was talking about, the battle in the point of view. All right, when we come back, we're going to finally hear my intro. (laughs) And what I had in mind that I hope will inspire you for where we're going on the last will be first today's show, right? Making it work. The last will be first. So much more coming up. We've gotten even a little more confused because we're over the rainbow, but that wasn't the intro yet either. So I don't know what's going on, but we will get to that because we are talking today on today's show, making it work. The last will be first and the first will be last. And we've been talking about that parable and what Jesus might have been getting into. And I shared what I thought was probably the hardest physical day's work I ever did. And I wonder if you had a similar story. And what you got paid, and we would love to hear from you. 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. Or maybe you have some insight on the last will be first, or what we're talking about today with making it work. But, you know, this is an adventure from a particular point of view that those guys who went out into the vineyard first thing in the morning, 
They were working with a great boss. And when you leave pay out of the situation, right? They got to work with a great boss. They got to do work. They got to see what they had, that they had what it takes. And like Carly Simon, I mean, it was like they're, they've, they've got this desire to do good work. So as we enter into the Thanksgiving season, right, and we think about how much work goes into a turkey or a Thanksgiving dinner, right, is not a big char- joy, part of the joy of the season in the cleaning and the chopping and the boiling and the peeling and the roasting and doing it with brothers and sisters or mothers and fathers, right? To have your son come help you with the chopping and the peeling and the, you know, all that stuff, it's family, it's work, you're working together and you get paid in a way, don't you? And I know for me, it's a legendary time. I forgot to put the sugar in the pumpkin pie, which you know, the fellowship and the hilarity of that legend in my family. I can just count on when the pumpkin pie gets handed out this year, somebody in my family will point out the day I made sugar-free pumpkin pie. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was good as long as you put sugar on. <laughs> so working has its rewards. And many, many in my view. And those guys who came first may have gotten paid last, but there's so much more to life, an abundant life, than monetary compensation. But before I move on to the further explanation of the last will be first, I want you to think with me, and this, this is also a story I would love to hear about a great boss, right? Think about the great bosses that God has placed in your life, right? And my guess is if you are thinking about a great boss right now, my guess is that you felt appreciated, favored, right? You felt like you were favored. That's grace. Jesus is full of that, right? He's full of grace. And I bet they told you the truth because Jesus is full of that, right? That's the other thing that Jesus is full of, grace and truth. And the other thing that you'll find about great bosses, in my opinion, is great bosses are generous, right? Ephesians 4, 8, Jesus gave gifts to men. So now with that great boss in mind, are you thinking about that? I hope you are, and I hope you're going to call in and tell that story at 866-348-7884. Well, gift, the word gift, means you didn't earn it, right? <laughs> the word gift means that generous boss, he gave you a gift. And pay is not based on what you do, right? If it's a gift of a generous boss. And when I really think that, you know, the first time I was promoted by Royce Reynolds to be a general manager of a dealership, I was no man more a general manager of a dealership when he started paying me to be a general manager of a dealership than the man in the moon, <laughs> But how generous was he that he started to pay me at a level of what he was that he wanted me to achieve? I wasn't there yet. It was a gift. I didn't see it that way at the time. I thought I knew everything. (laughs) What I know now is it was a gift, I'm telling you. And so I often feel God is telling me, Robbie, stop striving. Come, let's go do this together. I want to take you the fun way, the way of adventure and beauty and battle with me. And, and with me, Jesus tells me, I can't lose. So I, I want you to think back to that gracious, truthful, Jesus-like boss that you've had, or maybe you had a pastor like that, I sure have. So theologically, I believe that the last will be first and the first will be last was, last was originally meant for the disciples. And, and the disciples needed to understand that though the Jews got there first, in other words, they got the law first and they got Jesus first, 
but they as a group would be the last to come into the kingdom, mostly because they felt they earned it, right? Look at any (laughs) pharisaical point of view, and they're earning their way into the kingdom. And that's what Jesus is saying. (laughs) You're missing out on half the fun. It doesn't have anything to do with what you've earned, right? And at another level, yes, many accept Jesus as their Savior on their deathbed, and they will get to heaven even though they were the last to accept Christ, and I love that. The sad aspect of that, however, is that even in my own story, I didn't receive Christ until I was 36 years old. So I missed the joy of getting into the vineyard first thing in the morning. I, got, I missed the joy of working for the ultimate boss in the ultimate vineyard with other brothers and sisters for 36 years. Right? The other cool thing about all this is the envy and the jealousy aspect, right? Jesus is digging into my eye. He even tells me, he says, how I see things, right? How, this is Robbie Dilmore. How I see things through the self filter or the God filter or the good filter, right? Jesus is giving phenomenal gifts to people who hardly seem worthy if I'm looking through my self filter, right? I'm seeing all these gifts that these other people got, and through my self filter, they hardly seem worthy. Yet through the God filter, I can see that the good boss is leading a worker to a higher work ethic by paying him at a level he knows he can work at, right? God has done that in my life, He has given me gifts way beyond anything I could possibly have earned, knowing that he made me in his image, and I do have what it takes. And so, by the way, are all those people, everyone you ever met, you never met a mere mortal, right? They all are made of God stuff. So with all that said, I am so glad that the last will be first, right? I don't want anyone to miss out. I want everyone to accept Jesus as the good boss. And of course, you can go to christiancarguy.com and I've got a whole page on how you can accept Christ and get the good boss. But think, think to a good boss and you're getting a picture of Christ, somebody who favored you, who you felt they really appreciated you, saw your gifts, was willing to invest in you, were willing to give you pay above what it was that you were doing because they were trying to get you to come up to all that they knew that you could be. I mean, it's the ultimate boss. That's the story. I would love to hear yours. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH, the grace-filled boss, when we come back. got part of it. (laughs) That's the work. That's the work thing that I think our culture kind of sees work and all those different innuendos that are made in those songs. I have the other part of that we're going to hear at the next break. But today we're talking about the idea of how it works, so to speak. 
and the last will be first. And I was wondering if you had that grace-filled boss, like the good vineyard owner that was generous, that was full of grace, full of truth. We have our good friend Ann to share about her boss. Ann, you're on the Christian Car Guy Show. Good morning. Good morning. Sounds like you're having ever so fun. <laughs> a time. Yes, we are. We're at working for a living, and <laughs> it's so much more well, than I that. I tried to do that myself. Yeah, I, I've had a, a great little job, co-nanny, the last couple of years that I have absolutely adored, and I've worked my tail off. I mean, I really have, uh, you know, with triplets, and it's been ever so fun. But I have, I found the that it really it really helps to you know to uh to work hard and and I have learned that but I I just had to tell a little story real quick Please. Um, because when you first started talking about carrying <laughs> all those uh boxes or whatever up uh I I had uh my book that I wrote in uh t- you know 2012 really worked hard on that and uh and then when it was actually published in 2013 uh, you know, I thought, oh, this is great. I had some money at the time, and I thought, I'm going to order tons of books <laughs> and boxes and boxes. Well, they delivered them all right, uh, and I'm a third-floor walk-up. And, uh, um, yes, sir, I mean, a thorough yeah. walk-up to the third floor, and you were 18. I was 69 at the time, <laughs> and uh, they delivered this you know, platform, wooden platform of books on the bottom floor. And I said, uh, are you going to bring them up? And he said, no, 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 we don't get paid to do that. And I said, I have to carry all these books up. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, 28. Uh, in, uh, oh, I, yeah. oh, my gosh, they were so heavy. And I, I, I started off trying to do it. I mean, because I knew I couldn't leave them down there. There's all these, I don't even, I don't remember how many books, you know, boxes. So I'm climbing up the steps, and I'm saying, "God, I'm going to die of a heart attack." And I'm, I'm, I just wrote this book. Don't let me die of a because I was really, I was up on the third floor after about I don't know how many boxes, and I'm just, you know, red in the face, and I'm, I'm looking over the side of, you know, and the three teenage boys are. <laughs> I'm coming home from school, and I'm screaming at them, excuse me, could you please help me? You know, so I go downstairs, and those sweethearts, I'm telling you, they they took them up two at a time, and I, I ended up paying them, and I know God sent those kids, so uh, there is something really, really so grace-filled and magical about hard work and about you know, really throw yourself into a job. And those kids were so sweet. I, I don't think I've ever seen them since, you know. <laughs> well, what really. I, you know, just to dive into that story a minute, as I listen as an outsider and knowing you as mm. I do, uh-huh. I think, you know, you did something there, which is what I, you know, when I originally faced the job, I was like, there's no way in the world I could do this. Right. But then I made the decision, yes, I, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to start. Yeah. I'm going to start. And when you right. make that decision to start and, and like you, you ask God to come into that adventure, you know, and just think how much fun it was to work on a car with your dad or go some adventure with your dad. You know, that was fun. Well, that's what God's inviting to us to do with every, every work thing that we begin to face. And if, and if you'll start it, you know, how many times 
Did he finish it? Yeah. 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 So I, I can that's tell you from writing, I don't know how many episodes of Christian Cargot Theater at this point. Oh, yeah. I have oh, yeah. no idea really? where that's going. And if I just I mean, that start is, it. That is amazing when you think uh, how we, I mean, basically, you started Christian Cargot Theater as one. Right. And I heard you, and you knew I had done Adventures and Odyssey episodes. And I called you and I said, I want to do a Christian Cargot Theater. And, uh, you know, so the next time you put me in the in the show, and now we have this incredible, I mean, it makes me really want to cry, Robbie, because we have so many incredibly talented people who volunteer to do this show. Right, we got the teenage boys, they all jumped in, but they were actually just <laughs> g- unbelievably gifted actors that, you know, we started, and yeah. God just keeps bringing more our way as yeah. as we just entered into the adventure with him continued to ask him to come alongside of us so yeah that that's a beautiful story that is a beautiful story and i'm so glad you called in today thank you oh you're welcome and i'm glad you're Good feeling you. better you sound like yourself uh, i, I last know time I, I was really i was really sick uh, otherwise you know you know that i would have pitched pitch for you but anyway it was just um it, it i'm better now thank it's god great to have you back <laughs> And okay, my dear. God bless. Have a Thank great you. rest of the show. Oh, bless rest. <laughs> Bye-bye. 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 Well, you may have a story when you heard that, and you're thinking, I need to call him, but I don't know the number. Well, it is 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call in and share your story. Uh I would be remiss if I didn't mention all. It's at ChristianCarGuy.com. We got a new car show calendar for November. We have all those episodes at Christian Car Guy Theater, like we just talked about with Ann, with all those very, very gifted actors and actresses. But also there's the Jesus Labor of Love, which is car repair labor for single moms, widows, and families in crisis. And I was at boot camp last week, as you may know, and so we came in with a whole bunch of people that we are working on, and we could use your prayers as... Uh, as we speak, and I'm so grateful for Foster's Automotive in, here in High Point, North Carolina. I know if you're in Seattle, we got people out there that are helping us too, but this man really stepped up this week on a 99 Camry that was overheating, needs a water pump. It's a really, really extensive job. And then he needed to tow it on top of that, and he jumped in and did all that. And I'm always just blown away. And again, you, you, know, you call somebody like that, and you're just like, God, I don't know how we're going to help him. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have the resources for this. But I want to call and I want to pray with them anyway. And I, I just see if I could try to. So I called uh, William at Foster's Automotive. And he's like, Robbie, I'll do that. I may not get it done tomorrow, but I'll get it done. And sure enough, you know, God comes through time and time again. If you want to find out how to pray for those people, if you want to send in an application because you have a crisis, all that is at Christian carguy.com as well as all that i've talked about today the scripture references and you know if you want to go back and and think through these things about your own work and what really god is calling us on this adventure to work because you know as we work as we working unto the lord no matter what it is we're doing and so i have another story as you might guess <laughs> when i lost the dealership in george in um moxville as you could imagine it was devastating to my family. It was devastating to me financially. It was devastating to my thought of whether or not I really had any value or whether or not I really had what it took. It broke my heart in so many different ways. And so 
I ran out of money and because I actually didn't take a paycheck the last six months of the dealership while we were trying to find a way to make it all work. And um, Stu had come and offered me a job at the Truth Network, which was wonderful. <laughs> Believe me, I needed it so badly. But there wasn't there enough. There wasn't enough money to get a security deposit for the power because I we'd lost our house, we the mortgage on our house, but they, you know, we'd been evicted and and we had to find a house and I had to make the deposit on that and I had to make a deposit for the power and all these things. I had immediate financial needs and I had no money. And so. A, one of the salesmen actually was telling me that, Robbie, you know, I'm throwing papers every morning and, and I'm making about $1,000 a month doing that. You just have to get up at three in the morning. You have to go throw papers. And of course, I was, well, I was in a bad situation. I needed the money and here was an opportunity. I saw, I said, well, let me get in on this deal. And so, you know, at the time I was in my mid fifties <laughs> and like, Anne, I don't know if I was in the shape to throw papers, but I got a route where I actually had to go to these apartments, you know and climb stairs and all this stuff to throw these papers and all these. But there were these little old ladies, wonderful people that get the paper, right? And I had noticed that the way the man told me when I did my route, I was supposed to throw the paper down the sidewalk. But I noticed that there were these little hangers where the paper was supposed to go in the mailbox. And being a little bit older, I know how much it hurts to bend over. And so I thought, wow, what if I put those papers into those little hangers? And I'll share what happened in that story and what God had for me there when we come back. But we need your story, working today, as you could tell. But that was the other side of how you view your work. We heard the, you know, I'm taking what I'm given because I'm working for a living. Or do you see it as adventure and battle and a chance to walk with the Father and doing some amazing things? And as I was describing my situation, <laughs> you know, when I lost a dealership, it was about 11 years ago, and I didn't have the money for the electric deposit because we needed a new house. And at this time, I had three kids in the house. And, you know, we were in we were in a desperate way. And so I decided I would throw papers, which being that I was a, you know, Chrysler dealer, it was a it was a bit of a <laughs> humbling thing to go from the position that I had worked myself up to to the position that I'd worked myself down to. And <laughs> I had really lost so much confidence and I'd lost a lot of things. I, I had lost all my cars and all my wealth and whatever else. And so I'm throwing papers. And But as I'm, it's dark, right? When you're throwing papers at four in the morning. And I, I noticed that if I was just sliding these papers down the, 
down the sidewalk there to these older ladies' houses, and and they would have to bend over and pick them up. And I thought, you know, there's a nice little hook for a paper under their mailbox. I bet they would really appreciate it if I put their paper under their mailbox. So I started doing that. Well, that Valentine's Day, I'll never, ever forget, I got a note from one of those wonderful patrons that said, you are the best paper boy. She, of course, she'd never seen me. She didn't know I was in my 50s. She said, you are the best paper boy I've ever had. I so appreciate you hanging this. And, and she gave me a tip for $5. Of course, the $5 meant nothing to me compared to what she had done for a very broken ego for a very broken man who didn't think he had what it took. But if you read Psalm, I mean, Proverbs twenty four sixteen, it says, though the righteous man falls seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. You see, God had that for me. When I was at really, you know, a low point in my ability to work. And so working it out sometimes just has to do with the father sending you a note that you really still are favored. You really do what it has, have what it takes, and you really made out of, are made out of star stuff. So I love that little montage that God helped me to put together. I couldn't play it at the beginning, but it's kind of neat that it plays now to show that, you know, to go to work with an attitude of I'm going to take on, you know, Satan in his kingdom and I'm going to fight what, for what's right and what I know is true and I'm going to favor other people like the good boss and I'm going to be generous like the generous king that, that I work for and those kind of things, you know, that's a real opportunity for us. And I think back to another lesson from the Moxville dealership that I that I should never, ever forget about. Um, and, and I, you know, it, I just know the story, so I got to share it, although I'm kind of one of the chief participants in it. So when I came to open that dealership long, long, long before this episode, um, there were a number of salespeople that worked there and one of them's name was Johnny Hendricks. And none of the salesmen knew how many cars they were selling a month. I'd ask them all, you know, and they didn't even know how many cars they were selling. So I had to go into the records from the previous month and look every salesman up and see how many they sold. And Johnny Hendricks had sold the most. And I wanted to restructure their pay so that, you know, they would be paid on commission and hopefully make more money, but at the same time be motivated to sell more cars because the dealership was underperforming at that point in time. And when I went to Johnny Hendricks, he said, I'm not interested in being on commission at all. I, I'm fine with a the salary. They've paid me for years because he was taking what he was given because he was working for a living. Seriously, he was. And I knew that Johnny knew everybody in town and he was selling about eight cars a month at that point in time. But I could clearly see that the man was capable of way, 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 way more than that. But I wanted to hear what he had to say, and I wanted to listen, and I, I, I wanted to know what it was. And so I just started praying for wisdom, and, and I called my dad, who you know was a management consultant to car dealers for years and years, explaining the whole situation to him. He said, son, just pay him his salary like he asks, but then give him a bonus if he'll sell the number of cars and make it big you know, that would be equal to similar to his commission if he sells the number of cars you think he could sell. 
what wisdom that was because I went to Johnny and I said, okay, we're going to keep paying you your salary. But if you sell 12 cars, you know, we're going to give you a $3,000 bonus. If you sell 15 cars, you know, we're going to give you a 5,000 and on up it went. <laughs> I'll never, ever forget what happened as long as I live. Is guess what? Johnny sold 22 cars the next month. He hadn't sold 22 cars in all the years that he'd worked there. And it wasn't a matter of the inventory was better. It wasn't a matter of, it's just all of a sudden he saw a, a way that he could actually be compensated for, for what it was he was worth. And he was worth all that. And, and unfortunately, and in fact, I've told the story many times about when Johnny came to Christ later on in life, and it's a glorious story. And there's no doubt a big part of, of what I've seen God work in my life was through Johnny Hendricks. But one of the things he told many people in the waning years of his life, in the waning days of his life, I shouldn't say years, was, man, I've never had so much fun working in my life. And it didn't have to do with the money, I promise you. It had to do with he found out that he could sell 22 cars a month. He found out that he had all kinds of capability that he didn't know when all of a sudden, you know, he was put in a position to show he had what it takes. And I know that when you go to work on Monday, there's going to be something that shows up like, hey, this could be better if I put this paper on the hanger, which, by the way, working with your own hands has all sorts of merit when you're down and out where I was at that point in time. But whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing it unto the Lord, and you can see in what it is that you're doing an opportunity to go on adventure with God and say, oh, we could do it this way. We could do it that way. And, and, and in doing so, you can see the, the miraculous things that are in other people and the way that, that God is working in their life. And so you will be glad that the last are first. You will be so excited that you got to go on the adventure with God as long as you did, but you're going to be so glad that those people got in and, and get to spend eternity with such a boss. Because believe me, he is full of favor. You are his favorite. He is full of truth. He will tell you what's really going on, and he will tell you when you got something in your eye and you got a bad eye, you're looking at things wrong. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the parable of the day laborers is he's showing you, you got, a, you got a, a, a splinter in your eye and you need to take a look at that. And what do I need to do to re-look at this to get that thing out of my eye? See, good bosses, they tell the truth. So they're full of grace, they're full of truth, but they're also phenomenally generous because what they want you to see is your worth. You're way more valuable than we ever give ourselves credit for when we're walking in that adventure with that. So again, I'm so grateful that you uh, listened today and waited for all those <laughs> montages that I created. I'm so grateful that, that for all the help with the Jesus Labor Love, the many, many donations and all the things that make that possible for the, all the folks that get help with Cars in Crisis, again, at christiancarguy.com. And now, remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went and got it all done in 33 years. And thank you for listening to the Christian Car Guy.